0: We're gonna start in Jeremiah 29 and I'm just gonna share a little bit of heart this morning so we get, get an idea of God's vision for our lives and, and so we know what we're aiming at and what He wants to see in us. And, and then this morning we're gonna get real practical as well. Okay, so blessed are the note takers this morning or those who have cameras and can take pictures this morning cuz i this is this is going to be almost like a workshop this morning. You you're going to leave here with some very practical things. We're not going to just give theology and god's heart this morning. You're going to have something you can walk out the door and actually start doing in your life. And I, and i hope that actually this this afternoon or this evening you will, you'll will take the notes that you've got from from the sermon this morning. And you will actually sit and start to work through some of the stuff in your life. Because that's when change really starts to happen. Amen? It's good to hear the Word of God. It's it's better to obey it. Amen? And put it in practice. So let's start in Jeremiah 29, verse 47. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to where? To Babylon. So the Israelites were were conquered, they were carried away from Jerusalem, their city was destroyed, and they were put in the city called Babylon. This is what God says to them. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, amen, and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile and pray. Can somebody say pray? pray. And pray to the Lord for that city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So how do cities prosper? Through prayer, huh? Yeah. So, to give you some context here, Israel was taken ca- captive, they left Jerusalem, they moved into Babylon, and th- they, they were, they were, th- this, is ca- this word that God speaks to them about staying there, prospering there, settling down there, planting, building, make, making lives, is really not the word they wanted to hear. They wanted to be in Jerusalem. Babylon was a pagan, idolatrous nation that was foreign to them. It was foreign to their values. It was foreign to their beliefs. They didn't want to be in Babylon. They would much rather be in their own homeland, in Jerusalem, in a city that had the vision of God, the values of God, where things, where there was one true God, where God's laws were being obeyed. That's where they would much rather be. But God's word to them is no, there's, I'm, I'm working a time thing here. You'll go back to your land at a later date. But for now, I want you to stay in the city. And notice what he doesn't say to them. He doesn't say, just hide out there and wait. He doesn't say to them, just survive while you're there. No, he says to them, prosper in that place. Do business in that place. Build houses in that place. Plant gardens in that place. Blunt Gardens is basically start businesses. So his command to them was to settle down and occupy and grow and prosper in that place and pray for that place. Because if that place prospered, then they would prosper as well. Now, in many ways, we are in a similar position to these guys. You know, when Jesus saved us from a life of sin, the Bible says that he gave us a new land. What's it called? Heaven. And there's a new city there that we belong to. What is it called? The New Jerusalem. The Mount, the Zion, the place of God. And so, you and I, we, we also belong somewhere else. Amen? That we belong actually, the Bible says that we're actually like strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And, and we're waiting for the day that we can return to the city of our God. Where God's will is done, where God's ways are there, where He rules, where He reigns, where we don't have all the idolatrous, all the pagan, all the man stuff. It's all the God stuff. And how many of you kind of feel like me sometimes when you when this life gets a little bit hard and this city gets a bit hard? Don't you just like, Lord, take me home. Take me home, Jesus. Those stre- there's streets of gold in Jerusalem. I could do that. I could. How many of you could do that? I could do that, you know, walls made out of precious stones and, and, and there's no need for a sun because God illuminates the city himself and, and the stream of life flows through that place and great are the trees that grow next to that river and produce incredible fruits and, 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 and the rivers aren't polluted and the streets are clean and, and things are prosperous and there's, God is there. I don't know what you, I like, I want to go there, huh? Don't you want to go there? And the Bible says we are, we like strangers, we like pilgrims here, and we actually belong to another place. But God, interestingly enough, does not actually want us there just yet. <laughs> Otherwise, He would have taken us there, amen? So He actually wants us here. Which leaves us with the dilemma: What shall we do while we're here? Shall we just survive? Shall we have our bags packed? Shall we be ready to go at any moment? Shall we just kind of sneak by, and while we while we're just waiting for this day when He's going to come and take us to where we 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 really belong? What what does God have us do while we're here? He would have us do the same thing that they were commanded to do. To build, to plant, to sow, to do business, to stay there, to multiply, to prosper there, to increase there. In Luke 19, Jesus tells us parable about a, a master who calls his three servants to himself. And he gives to each of his servants talents. All right, which is actually just this large sum of money. All right, um, And he gives the one ten, and he gives the other five, and he gives the other how much? One. And he says to them this command. He says, do business while I'm gone, and then I'm going to come back. And really, Jesus was telling this parable because he was saying, guys, this is how you need to think when I go. You need to do business while I am gone, but I will come back to you. In other words, I don't want you just to survive. I don't want you just to get by on this planet. I want you to take what I have given you, your gifts, your talents, your resources, and I want you to plow them into this place. I want you to do business. I want you to make a profit. I want you to actually increase. And then he tells a story about it when the master actually does come back. And what happens? He calls the guy who gave ten talents to him. The guy says, listen, I took your ten and I made another ten. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in and share your master's joy. You've been faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. To the guy who had five, he says exactly the same thing. The one guy, what did the one guy do? He buried his talent in the ground and he said, Lord, I was afraid and I thought you were a harsh guy. And, and so what I, I just buried it and look, I've just given you what is yours. And he says, no, you're a wicked and lazy servants. And that parable is is he told us because that's what he wants to do. That's what he was going to do. He He was going to leave earth and he wanted us to know what is the frame of mind that we need to have while he is gone, while we are waiting for him to return, while we are waiting for him to come back and take us to where we really belong. What do we need to do while he's gone? Do business. Can you look at somebody and say, do business? Do business. Get busy. What do we learn from this parable? Well, what we learn is that Jesus has a vision for a transformed earth. I'm going to say that again just so you get it. Jesus has a vision for a transformed earth. And if you think this parable is one in isolation, it's not. The summary total of all of Jesus' teaching was that He wanted His kingdom here on earth. That He actually wanted our city in heaven... To come down and be here on earth. In fact, if you go read the book of Revelation, you will eventually see that that city, we go to that city, but that city comes back and, and relocates on earth. That actually God's end picture is His city here on the earth. And that's why Jesus said, you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Does, do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket? No, they put it up on a lampstand so that it can fill the whole house with light. And he said, that's what you are. If I wanted you in heaven, I would have taken you there. But I don't want you there. I want you to make this dark place a light place. I want you to transform this place. I want you to be salt in this place. You know, salt is a preserver. You, you would put it into meat so that it wouldn't rot. And what God is saying is that he wants us To be the salt in society so society doesn't rot. So we don't see all this legislation being passed that is not God honoring, that we see all the filth in our streets and and the degradation of our morals in society. No, it mustn't happen. Why? Because there's salt that's available. And so Jesus is looking at the earth and he's seeing a transformed earth. His vision is that, that Durban would be different. He doesn't want us just to, just to survive here to get to where we really need to be or really want to be. He actually has a vision of a transformed Durban. Amen. Amen. He has a vision of seeing our city change and become like heaven. That's why he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy where? As it is. In heaven. And so the church sometimes has this idea that we need to just pack our bags and wait. Jesus, take us out of here. Have you seen what they're doing? (laughs) They're not obeying the traffic laws anymore. Take us home. (laughs) And we're crying, Lord, take us there. We, And he's saying, no, I, I want you there. I want you to stay there. And I want you to change those laws. I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I want you to do business while I'm gone. See, Jesus didn't come to institute an evacuation plan. You know, an evacuation plan is a plan like the building's on fire and where do we go? We all run for the the exit, okay? There's an evacuation plan, okay? Jesus didn't come so that we could, that he could evacuate us from earth. Like this is a great evacuation, you know, send in the angels, get them out of there. You know, it's burning, there's fire, there's smoke, there's evil, there's darkness. No, Jesus is like, you know what? This is not an evacuation plan. I'm going to give you a sword and a shield and a helmet and a breastplate and a belt of truth and some shoes of peace. And I want you to stay there and I want you to fight the evil and I want you to establish heaven on earth. That's what I want you to do. Put the fire out. Amen? Put the fire out. That's what he's called us to do. In Ephesians 1 and verse 7, it says the following. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. If you've done BFC, you know the scripture well. What, what are the two things that we see mentioned there that God, that we have through Jesus? In him we have Redemption. Can you say it louder? Redemption. Redemption. And we also have forgiveness. forgiveness. So we get... This is the full gospel, by the way. All right? The gospel is both forgiveness and it's redemption. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. Amen? How many forgiven people do we have here? Hey, come on. All of us. All of us. We're forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness is awesome. You know what forgiveness says? It says your past is going to be wiped out clean. All the mistakes, all the faults, all the breaking of my laws, all the things you've done wrong, all the things you said wrong, all the things you thought wrong, all the wrong motives, I forgive you. It's wiped away. It deals with our past. But redemption now deals with our future. Redemption says that now that you've been forgiven and all that is, for, is gone, redemption says this, is now I actually want to make something off your life. Now I want to actually redeem your life and make it what I originally intended it to be that 's what redemption is it 's kind of like you know you see an old coke bottle lying on the ground and it's empty glass bottle if you take that glass bottle and it 's all scuffed and whatever and you went back to coca cola what would they do they would give you a pay a redemption price for it they would pay a price they would actually give you money for it they no matter how dirty it is, they see value in it and they pay a redemption price and they buy it back and then they clean it up, I hope, and fill it with awesome, bubbly, brown, delightful, sugary, my wife says poison, but it's not really, it's it's more like, it's more like, Beauty in a bottle. <laughs> and uh, and then they, they relabel it and reseal it and they put it where it's meant to be, in the fridge, right there, you know? Glorious, with the light shining on it. Okay, That's what Jesus came to do. No matter how broken and messed up we were, what did He do? He paid the redemption price to buy us back from, to God. Why? Because we bear His image. So no matter how messed up your life is, He still sees value in you and He buys you back and then He cleans you out. Amen? I hope so. Fills us with His Spirit, relabels us child of God and puts us where we're meant to be. That's what redemption is. So God doesn't just forgive your life, but He also wants to make something of your life. That's why He said to the fisherman, He says, You... I've been fishing for fish, but I will make you fishes of men. God is making us into something. He's making you into your destiny. He's making you into your purpose. He's molding your life. He's at work in your life. He's redeeming your life and making it what it should be in God. So the gospel is not about forgiveness and redemption too. It's about God I mean, it's not about forgiveness, it's about redemption too. It's about God making something of our lives. And it follows that if God is making us, then He's making cities as well. Amen? Because as God works on you, He works on the city. Why? Because the kingdom is within you, guys. The kingdom is within you. And so... If you think about this, if the kingdom is within you, then every step you take forward into your destiny, every step you take advancing in your life and in the purpose that God has called you to is a step that the kingdom takes as well. So when you get that driver's license, praise God, all the people trusting for the driver's licenses, we're going to get that thing, amen. Guess what? The kingdom just got another driver. When you get that car... Guess what? The kingdom got more wheels. More people can get to church now. Amen? (laughs) When you get that business diploma or degree or whatever you're going for, guess what? The kingdom gets another educated person who's able to change systems and structures and make them more godly and God-fearing. Amen? The kingdom advances every step you advance. When you buy land, praise God, the kingdom got more property in the city of Durban. Amen? When you start that business, praise God, the kingdom just got empowered to empower other people to find jobs so that their lives can be blessed. Amen? Every step that you take, when you get that promotion, praise God, the kingdom just got more influence, got more finances, we can fund more missions, the gospel can go further, lives can change. So every step we take in our personal lives, is a step that the kingdom advances as well. And so, we need to take our prosperity seriously. We need to actually start seeing it as a command from God that we stay, that we do business, and that we prosper. Why? Because the kingdom needs to come. The kingdom is not going. The kingdom is, is coming. Jesus has a vision for a transformed Durban. Do you have a vision for a transformed Durban? For a transformed business? For a transformed neighborhood? Community? Institution that you're studying at? Campus? Do you have a vision for that? Because He does. You know, I met a guy a little while back and I was talking to him about, you know, well, where do you live? He says, no, I live on the south coast. And, and he, said, he said something crazy. He said, my wife and I have sold up, and, and we've, and we're just renting a small apartment now. I said, oh really? Why, well, just, what is it, right sizing, downsizing? What, what's, you know, what's happening? And he says, no, Jesus is coming back. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's coming back. So, why are you downsizing? And he says, no, no, because this system is going to the dogs. This thing is going downhill fast and, and we we want to be lean and ready for when he comes back. I want you to know that that is is actually a, an incorrect theology to have. All right? God does not want us to to sell up and to and just to never get that promotion or never start that business or never climb that corporate ladder or never Start that, that business or that thing, that, that NPO that's going to change the city and, and just stay right here until he comes back. No, he says that's wicked and lazy servant. Okay? What we want to have him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. You were salt. You were light. You actually brought transformation. Amen? So core to who we are as believers is that we need to have a vision of transformation. Now, what is the alternative? (laughs) Spend your whole life stuck in the job you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Never earning, (laughs) never earning enough to pay the bills. Always having to borrow money so that you can get by. Never climbing the ladder so you get that place of influence. Not having your own property or your own place, too embarrassed to open up your house to start a connect group because you don't have enough furniture or food in the cupboards to cook for everyone. Does that sound right? No. So what we need to get out of our heads, church, is this mentality of surviving. And we have to get into the mentality of thriving. Amen? Amen? If anyone needs to thrive, it needs to be us. If anyone needs to get to the position of CEO, it needs to be us. If anyone needs to go through the municipality and become mayor, it needs to be us. If anyone needs to lead institutions, it needs to be us. If anyone needs to start businesses that can employ multiple people, who's it need to be? It needs to be us. Okay? We are not here just to survive. That is never God's plan for us. Just get by under the radar. You know that devil. Woo! Watch out. Watch out. You know, just stay in church and go to connect group. But just to keep this like quiet little income thing going on the side and just I'm, I'm content, and I'm practicing contentment, and you know, uh, wealth and riches—that's evil stuff. And you know what? You know, all these people who want to—the you know, world is Babylon; it's going down. And you know, no, 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 no. You need to start seeing yourself as a leader, as a transformer, as someone that God has called to prosper right where you are. You need to produce that music album and get it out. Amen. You need to start that small business. You need to do these things. We are called to prosper where we are. Amen. I'm laboring it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. We're talking financial vision here. Okay? A God-honoring financial vision. That's what we're talking about here. And what we're seeing in this passage of Scripture is God's vision for us. So we need to align our lives with it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and I'm reading out of the NLT because it just says it so nicely. Um, it says, and God will generously provide all you need. Ah, isn't that nice? <laughs> Can we just rest on that for a moment? Can you just say thank you, Jesus, if you've got some faith in you? Thank you, Lord. Come on. God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Who's got like one of these reference Bibles this morning? So, because Paul Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth here, and he's he's quoting a scripture. As the scriptures say, they share freely. What, What scripture is he quoting there? Who's who's got it in their reference Bible? It should it'll say what psalm it comes from. 112, correct? Okay, what a beautiful psalm. Okay, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who delights in His commands. His children will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. Okay? It's, one of, it's, it's a beautiful psalm. If you, you need to go learn it, meditate on it. Why? Because it's a picture of God's heart for you. It's what he wants your life to be like. Okay? And Paul, what he's doing is he's talking to the church in Corinth, which was largely a Gentile church. Okay, These were new believers, non-Jewish people. And what he's doing is he's quoting the, an Old Testament Scripture promise. Theologically, he's doing something significant for the theologians here this morning. He's linking the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Remember we dealt with this last week. Did God's plan change? We read the Old Testament, we read the New Testament. Did he st- no, he's, he's linking them and he's saying that that promise back then for them is applicable to... You Gentiles here today. Alright? That's what he's doing over there. Let's carry on reading the scripture. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase or multiply your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, yes. Can you say yes? yes? Yes. Don't you want that? Come on. Yes. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Now, this is, this is so significant this morning. I, I want you to catch the scripture. Paul is linking an Old Testament promise with New Testament believers. And he's saying what applied to them, it applies to you today. So you can go take Psalm 112, you can write it out, put it on your bedroom wall, and start to pray it and speak it over your life, because it's what God intends for you. Amen? Amen? Now, why is that important? Well, because we dealt with this last week when we spoke about all the warnings that we find in the New Testament. Remember, there were all those warnings about wealth and riches in the New Testament. And the problem is this, is sometimes we can read the New Testament... And we read all these warnings about wealth and we can kind of think, well, maybe the plan has changed. (laughs) Maybe God doesn't want us to prosper. But Paul is reiterating the fact that, no, God does want us to prosper. It's the same plan then as it is today. The blessing that you see on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph is the same blessing that's meant for you today as well. Amen. Can I illustrate this for you? It's kind of like, when Trish and I take our boys surfing, alright, what you'll find, okay, if, if you saw us down on the beach just before we were about to go surfing, you know, our, our, our sons love surfing, and they'll stand on the beach, and, and what does mom do, and dad, a little bit? My boy, when you go out, you've got to watch the current. Can you see that the current is flowing this way? So if you're going to go out, don't go next to the pier on this side. Go next to the pier on that side. As you're going out, watch out. That the current doesn't switch and take you into the pier. Make sure that you're paddling out. Don't get stuck in the mid-break. Make sure that you get out there to the back line. When you're at the back line, watch out for the wind. Can you notice which way is the wind blowing? It's a, it's a southwest. Yeah, it can blow you out to sea. Okay? So watch out that you're not drifting further than the back line. And when you're there, watch out for the other guys that are around you, okay? Make sure that you don't get in their way, all right, you, and that you don't seal their waves, that you share the waves, and when you wipe out, make sure you fall like this, and it goes on, and it goes on. If you were standing there listening to us, you might think that we actually never want our kids to go surfing. You might think that. But what we're doing is what a good parent does. Okay, We're giving them all the things they need to do so that they can surf and surf really well. Because let me tell you something. When when our boys catch waves, there's no one more delighted than the two of us. (laughs) To see them standing up and catching that wave and doing a cutback and surfing and doing it all right. I'm telling you now, our hearts are like, yoo! That's our boy, that's our son. you know, we, we love it. We absolutely love it. And I think it's the same with this whole prosperity thing. Okay? That we see all these warnings in the Bible, not because God doesn't want us to have it, because I I'm telling you now, when you're earning all you can and you're giving all you can and stewarding all you can, I'm telling you now there's no one who's more happy than your father in heaven. Amen? There's no one who says, Yeah, that's 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 what I want to see. Amen. So let, let let's just Let's just look at this passage a little bit in detail. What, what, just read this. We've read it, alright? But what what do we see in this passage? Can you see God's heart towards you in this passage? What does, if I had to ask you, what does God want? And you just had to read this passage. Your answer would be that He will provide and increase my resources. Isn't that right? I mean, that's it. That He will provide and increase our resources. What is a resource? It's something that sources your life. All right. I, when I prepare sermons, I have resources that I go to get things to put in the message. The Internet is a resource. You can go there to get something. A job is a resource. Amen? You go there to get skills and experience and to invest yourself there and get a paycheck, amen. It's, it's something that sources your life. It's a resource that, that He gives. So when He's going to provide us and multiply our resources, what does that mean? It means that He's going to provide things for us that can source our lives, things that can help us meet our needs. And so our prayer needs to be, Lord, I'm going to trust you for resources. And plural. Can you say resources? It's plural, right? So maybe you're in a job. That's awesome. You've got a resource. But He can give you some passive income too. While you have that job. You know, if you're serving God, you don't have to be limited to a salary. Come on. Are you getting this thing? You've got a business that's awesome. But He will provide and increase your resource. He could give you another one and another one. Maybe one day you could have 50 businesses. Amen? Some people are receiving by faith this morning. He can provide and increase our resource. That's what He wants to do in our life. So this mentality of I go to a job... And I get this paycheck every month, and and trusting in our jobs and trusting in that paycheck is wrong. We need to put our trust in God, who is using this business, and I'm getting a resource from this business, but He can multiply this thing. I'm not limited. So this is good news for like you know nurses and school teachers. You can, I know yes how some of you guys think. You just think well I you know we we're 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 not really that bad. We get this much income. And you guys look at your income and then you think, okay, if I want the house that I really want in life, it's going to take me 50 years (laughs) to get that house that I really want. No, what you're doing is you're trusting in the resource, not in the one who can multiply the resources. So you might be taking a profession today, listen, and those teachers and those nurses and all these people who fill vital service roles that are not really well rewarded by our economy. Listen, hats off to you guys. You are legends. But I want you to know something else, is that God can prosper you despite that. That you, as a child of God, you're not limited to your paycheck or to that wage increase that comes everywhere. Your trust is not in that thing. It's in Him. All right? And He can multiply that thing. There's no... And now, this is where it starts. You've got to start thinking that. You've got to start believing that. You've got to start looking at your life and going, this is awesome that I have this one resource. But my trust is now going into you, Lord, to multiply this thing. That you can increase this thing. Amen? Amen. Please say Amen. But why does God do this? So, He wants to provide and increase our resources. Why does He do it? If I had to ask you why, look at the scripture, the answer's there. Why does He do it? So that He can produce a great, can you say, great harvest of generosity. One, two. There we go. That's better. A great harvest of generosity. I want you to look at the scripture. Paul says, there's three sentences there where he says the same thing. God will generously provide all you need. Then what? You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Then he quotes that Old Testament scripture. And then he says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase and multiply your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Same thing as the first sentence, right? And then, in case you didn't get it, he says it a third time, okay? Yes, you will be enriched. Amen? Amen? In every way so that you can always be generous. There's a key here. I don't want you to miss this. This is so important for your financial vision. Is that God wants to provide and increase your resources, but He doesn't just have you in mind. He's got other people in mind. Blessed to be a... We say that, but we don't live it. That's going to change this morning. We're going to live this thing. Okay, I'm going to show you how we live this thing. Practically, we're going to talk about how we live this thing. Blessed to be a blessing... As the provision increases, it's increasing for a reason. What is the reason? So that it can go into generosity. So that it can go into other places. The dead sea is the dead sea because it receives, but it doesn't give out. A living, life-giving sea is one that has source coming into it and going out of it. We need to be like that. Okay. Now this is so important that you get this, that as... The provision increases. The generosity must increase too. The two are inextricably, what an awesome word, linked. Amen. (laughs) They are tied together in the Bible. Now go with me to James. Go with me to James. Okay. James chapter 4. Are you still here? I've got much to share and we need to get there. James 4 verse 3, it says the following. It says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on what? Your pleasures. Okay, now, let's just examine this. That, that word wrong motives in the Greek is the same word for diseased or sick. You ask out of a disease, okay, that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's the Greek word hedone. That's where we get the word hedonism from. What is hedonism? It is the pursuit of comfort and pleasure. That's what hedonism is. It's materialism, okay? It's it's having a vision for my comfort and my pleasure. When When I look to the future of my life, I'm looking at my comfort and I'm looking at my pleasure. And God says that if that is your vision, you are, you have a disease. And that disease, because you have that disease, I will not give you what you're asking for. Do you have the disease? Your vision for your finances, what did we say about 2 Corinthians 9? Needs to be inextricably linked to generosity. Okay? you As you increase, <laughs> so does the giving need to increase. And, and when I talk about that, I'm, I don't mean like, okay, I'm earning 5,000 rand, so I'm tithing 500 rand, and then I get increased to 10,000 rand, so now I tithe the 1,000 rand. You have an increase in giving. At all. Okay, that's not an increase in it. That's just keeping it the same. Okay. All right, just so we're clear. All right? As the resource increases, what needs to increase? The generosity. Otherwise, we're in danger of having this thing called a disease where we're just thinking about our own comfort, our own lifestyle, and our own pleasure. God sees that as a disease. Okay? So, um. so the reason why we're not receiving is because gener- these people are not receiving. Is because generosity is not a part of their vision. Okay. So our vision, if we're talking about a God-honoring vision, must include generosity. It must include God's vision for the transformation of our families, our neighborhoods, and our city. Please get this. The vision you have for your life, God has a vision. His vision is the transformation of the earth, the kingdom coming to the city of Durban, people getting saved, churches filling up, churches getting planted, missions going out, campus missionaries going out, the poor getting fed, the widows looking out, you know, all that stuff. stuff. He's got a vision for that. You need to put that vision into your personal vision as well. Then you have a God-honoring vision, financial vision for your life. A financial vision where you just seeing your comfort and your pleasure is a disease. And you're asking amiss. You're asking incorrectly. Okay? And God will not fill that thing until you align with His vision. Until the... Part of your vision is the generosity. I mean, I, I was pretty frustrated with, you know, God not coming through for me in some of our personal life recently. And God said something interesting to me. This is I'm just being transparent here this morning, Okay? He said this to me. He said, I was having this quiet time. I complained, I cried, I journaled, I read, and I was like, and then I went back the next morning, and he was like, right, now I can speak to you. (laughs) He said, Wayne, if I had given you more, be honest, where would it have gone? I was like, Lord, obvious, into the things we need, like the car, the this, the that, the that, that. He's like, yeah, it would have just gone more into your lifestyle. Am I right? Said yes, Lord, you're absolutely right. He says, "The only vision you have for the more is yourself, and that's not how my kingdom works. If you want the more, the more needs to include me in there too, because you're a channel through which I can go." So we corrected that thing very quickly. Okay, I pray you correcting right now. Amen. <laughs> can I? We just get stay with me. Okay. So how do we build a God-honoring financial vision? Well, the first step is this. Define what the more is for. Can you say that? Define what the more. And then secondly, believe in God to provide and increase our resources. It needs to go in that order. God-honoring financial vision is define what the more is for. Where's the more going? If I had to give you a million rand, where's it going to go? If I was to double your salary, if I was to give you passive incomes and new businesses, where would it go? What's the vision behind it? Is it just going to go into your comfort and into your lifestyle? And are you just going to be content to keep paying your tithe? Listen, the tithe is entry level into the giving story. That's like baseline, Okay? That's like starting point. We we need to go way beyond that if we're really going to transform cities. Amen? We need to have, a, if we're really going to change neighborhoods, people, we've got to have a vision way bigger than just a tide give. Amen? That's got to be entry level for us. Okay? So it needs to define what the more is for. And step two, believe. Now you can activate your faith. Now you can believe in God to provide And increase the resources. Amen. How do you practically do that? Are you, are you ready for some practicals? Are we still okay? Okay, we're gonna go through this real quick. Some practicals here this morning. Alright, AV, if you wouldn't mind going to that, to the next slide. Alright? Here's a picture of your life. Okay? Currently, you have debt, you're giving a particular amount, and you have a lifestyle that's eating a particular amount of finances, or needing a particular amount of finances to support. In the future, the God future, the Bible-honoring, God-honoring future for your finances, needs to be one where you see yourself as debt-free. Amen? We're going to teach, I'm going to teach more about debt as we go through the series, and why God wants you debt-free. Proverbs 22.7 says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay? Romans 13 says, Oh, no man, anything except to love them. Okay? So God actually wants us debt-free. We're going to talk more about it. But for now, just believe me. Okay? Can you just trust me on that one? All right? He wants you debt-free. All right? He wants you to be giving a particular amount. And He wants you to have a lifestyle. All right? A particular lifestyle. But that that lifestyle would be multi-generational. And not just you. Okay? And your future. So... What we need to do in this thing, just you can stay on this slide, is that we need to see ourselves as going to debt-free, okay? And we're talking about vision here, all right? So what you need to do is also under your giving, how much are you giving right now in your current? What does the future look like for giving for you? Start to articulate that. Write it down somewhere, What is, what is, how much do you want to give? In which areas do you want to give? Into, to to what projects do you want to give? What has God laid on your heart about the future? Is it the missionaries, to support missionaries? Is it missions and church planning? Is it children and education? Is it uh, helping those who've come out of, you know, human trafficking or something like that? Where? Where is the, the thing that God has put in your heart? Where is the transformation vision under giving there? That's where your transformation vision needs to be. And, I mean, if you take a look at David, he said this in 1 Chronicles 29. He said this, Moreover, it's going to come up, it says, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of silver and gold. David's affection was towards the house of God. I mean, he just had a passion for worship, for prayer, for people coming to know God, for people learning about God, learning the principles of God. He just had a passion. And his affection was so there that his special treasure, his own personal special treasure over and above what he normally gives, was lavished onto the house of God. Okay, That was his affections. And I want to ask you this morning, where are your affections? What does God put on your heart when it comes to the area of giving? Is it the orphans? Is it the elderly? Where Where is a God honoring vision in your giving? Okay, let's go to the next slide. So, when it comes to lifestyle, sorry, on giving, I'm not only talking about giving finances. You can also give your time. Do you know? You You could have a vision that says something like this. You know, in, in seven years, I I want to be working half a day and giving the other half to an NPO or to the church or to making disciples. I was chatting with Wara Edzo last week and he was saying in Indonesia, they've got a couple businessmen in the church who when business is doing well, they go to campus <laughs> and make disciples. That's what they do. So they, they get their businesses going and then once the businesses are fine, they're like, cool, hit the campus. And they go lead connect groups and disciple the young people and sew themselves into young, young people, giving their time as well. Trish and I on sabbatical, we met this one guy who every year, he, he works in London, every year he takes three months off every year to travel. What could you do taking three months off every year for the kingdom? For the vision that God has for transformation. You might even have a vision to say that, you know what, in in 10 years time, I want to be full time giving myself to the work of the Lord and this thing can support me doing it. That's a great vision to have. That's a God honoring, giving vision to have. Lifestyle. What about lifestyle? Well, think about all the Porsches you want to own. And the man said, I'm just kidding. Okay? <laughs> just kidding. What you need to do under the lifestyle is this take all the New Testament do's and don'ts that I teached on last week. Put them before you. Okay? And prayerfully begin to design what you feel God has called you for in this life. Okay? And don't have a poverty mentality in this thing because the Bible says that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Okay? So picture yourself ten. 15, 20, I don't know, 5 years from now, whatever. What is the lifestyle that you want to have and begin to quantify it? How much does that car cost? How much does that house cost? How much cell phone (laughs) airtime does that cost? You know, begin to quantify the, put a rand value on your giving, put a rand value on, on your lifestyle. And when you're designing your lifestyle, okay, and this is a God-honoring, prayerful process okay? that you can even do in accountability, all right? just to make sure your heart's not wandering after wealth. All right. In there, make sure that you're setting up the next generation for success that in that lifestyle. That you're focusing on laying up an inheritance for your children and your children's children in that lifestyle. That you're not laying up debt for them. That you're laying up such a wealth for them that they won't need to go to a bank to borrow money to pay for a house or a car or their wedding one day. That you will just be able to provide that thing. Amen? So And build that into your vision. And so now you have this vision of debt-free. You want to be giving this much time, this much finances into these projects. This is the type of lifestyle I believe God has called me to and what I believe I can have in His name. And it's multi-generational. I've set up trusts. That can, that can benefit my kids. That's financial vision that's God-honoring. And then what you do is you look at your debt and you say, how much do I need? Take a timeline, for example, like seven years, and then look at your debt and say, how much money do I need to put in every month to whack that thing off in seven years? Put a figure out there. Okay, it's Rand X. Look at your giving. If I'm going to, from where I'm starting to where I want to be in seven years, how much do I need to increase my giving every month? might be 5%. It might be 20%. It might be whatever. Okay? Same with your lifestyle. Put a figure on it. How much do I need to increase in my life in order to, to get to that vision? Now what you have is a faith goal. Are you still with me? Is this too scientific for Sunday morning? Okay? This is your you add up that middle part, okay, and those years, and this is what you bring before the Lord as your faith goal. This is what you're trusting him for. Okay. Um now next step what you do is work out your giving to lifestyle ratio. If you wouldn't mind going to the next slide. So that based on what was previously on that screen, your giving to lifestyle ratio is one to two. Okay? Which means that If money comes in, that's how it gets split, okay, in order for you to get to your vision, right? So, for example, if you had to get another 20,000 Rand a month, amen, coming in, now you know that, let's say, 5,000 Rand a month needs to go to debt, so you're pumping 5,000 Rand a month into debt. The balance is how much? Some people are awake. 15 is left. That gets split 10 onto lifestyle, 5 onto giving, increasing my giving. Amen? So if God increases me now, I know where the giving is going. I know where the lifestyle how much lifestyle is going to, and I know how much is going to debt. You could do something different, okay? This is just a model. You could say, you know what, actually all twenty is going to go into the debt, and I'm going to wipe that thing out in not seven years, but in maybe a year or two years, and then I'll do the giving to lifestyle ratio. But what you're doing now is you're inextricably linking your financial vision with God's vision for the earth. Okay, the two are synonymous. And now you have something you can put faith towards. Can I share one last scripture with you? I'll finish with this. 1 John 5, 14. Can 14. Can we all read it together? Let's go. Now this is the confidence that if we ask anything, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? If we ask anything according to according to his, according to my will, whose will? What is His will? It's like a, everything I've been preaching on this morning. Come on, people. What is His will? Do business and prosper until He comes back. Have a vision for transformation. As the, giving, as the provision increases, let the giving increase. That's His will for your life. Okay? You're not going to ask a miss anymore now. Lord, I need more money. He's like, where? Where's it going? It, uh, is it, listen, you, some of us we need to be honest. We we are not actually we don't have a vision for being debt free. We're quite happy to pay this bond off for the next 30 years of our life. According to Bible, this that's it's not God honoring. Okay, it's not what He actually wants for us. It's, he doesn't want us to be wrapped in these things that take 30, 50 years to pay off. Okay, He wants us free out of that thing. So if God increases you now, you know where it's going. It's not just going on to lifestyle. Amen. A God-honoring vision is a debt-free vision. It's one where giving is growing as provision is growing. It's one where your lifestyle is increasing as He would want it to increase. And where you're setting up the next generation for financial success. That is a good vision to have for your life. Trish and I did this exercise like, I don't know, I don't know, eight, six months ago or something like that. And... Amazingly, right? I'll be honest. I when God convicted me in that moment, and He was like, "Wayne, where's the more going?" I didn't have an answer. And so we said, "Okay, we know. The, we did some research. We found out God's heart, and we we got something like this in place. We want to be debt-free by a particular time and particular year, and all of that. From the moment we settled that in our hearts, and we started to put our faith." towards that goal. We have a particular amounts that we're trusting in for each of those things. We want to give this much. We want to earn this much. We want to put this much into debt. From the moment we started doing that, God supernaturally started wiping out some of our debt. Within a month, He had already supernaturally wiped out some debt. We had this thing that we got roped into like years ago, this thing we signed. I'm not going to tell you what it was. And every month it, like it debits our account and we're supposed to get this, all this value from it and Listen, we never. Initially, it was cool, but then it just didn't work out for us. So we tried to get out of this thing. And we couldn't. We found out we couldn't get out of this thing. In fact, there was no way to get out of this thing. We did everything we could to get out of this thing. We, we, we couldn't get out of this thing. And for years, I just watched that amount come off my count every month. And I'm just like, ah! you know, what a waste. It's slavery. It's not what God wants for our lives. We shouldn't be happy with things like that. That should be going into the kingdom. Amen? Once we had signed this thing off, miraculously, God took that thing away from us. Somebody came, phone call, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The next thing, that thing was gone. We were trusting God to to wipe out a particular amount of debt that we had. We got, within the same time, a SARS refund. Hallelujah. That just wiped that thing out. Okay. So what I'm saying is that Faith, when we just say faith goal, a lot of us in our minds, we think, yeah, faith, you know, it's a faith goal. Jesus said this about faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move, tiny little bit of faith moves a huge amount of debt. Amen? So with faith, if you know what God wants, you can have faith. And when you start to have real faith, you start to see real mountains move. Amen? 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 Come, stand to your feet. I'm done. Apologies it's gone on a bit long.
1: All right. Won't you do me a favor? Won't you just lift your hands up to the Lord? Okay. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I thank you that you love and you care about every single person in this room. You know where each person is at. You know what your message intended to do in their hearts today. And I thank you that we are going to see a great and mighty harvest of right thinking and right actions and alignment with your purposes and your kingdom. Lord, as every heart is yielded up to you, I thank you that your blessing is going to come. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he grant you wisdom and insight into the area of financial freedom and stewardship. May He grant you opportunity to advance economically. May He grant you increase in resources that will provide for you. May He give you strategy to lay up an inheritance for your children's children. And may you be the blessed and the righteous upon the land. And may you prosper as your soul prospers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to encourage you as you go from here, go and talk about this. Go and write this down. Go and share a cup of coffee with someone and and be accountable as to what has impacted you and how your life is going to change the results. Amen. God bless.